Welcome to the Fastest Five Minutes presented by Kroll and Mooring. We are your co-hosts for this edition, Peter Ayer and Yuan Zhou, bringing you a bi-weekly summary of significant government contracts legal and regulatory developments that no government contracts lawyer or executive should be without. And we start this week with several interesting pieces of legislation. On March 15th, President Biden signed the Consolidated Appropriations Act for 2022. That legislation contains the Cyber Incident Reporting for Critical Infrastructure Act of 2022. The act expands federal cybersecurity incident and ransom demand reporting requirements for certain critical infrastructure entities. The act requires covered entities to comply with new and expanded obligations when they experience a covered cyber incident. That's a defined term. Within 72 hours after a covered entity believes that such an incident has occurred, the entity must report certain elements of the incident. If a covered entity makes a ransom payment, it's required to make certain disclosures to CISA within 24 hours of the payment. The act directs the Department of Homeland Security's Director of the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency to promulgate a final rule finalizing these definitions and obligations. Within 24 months of the enactment, CISA is required to begin notice and comment rulemaking. So that is now law. We're obviously going to be watching to see where the regulations go. Next, we have two proposed items. Number one, on March 21st, Representative Carolyn Maloney, who's chair of the House Oversight and Reform Committee, introduced the Federal Contracting for Peace and Security Act, which as drafted, would prohibit the United States from doing business with companies currently operating in Russia. Specifically, the bill would prohibit awards, extensions, renewals of prime contracts with any company if that company or a parent or subsidiary or successor has done business in Russia during the covered period of aggression against Ukraine. And that's got a whole series of definitions. They're still being debated and negotiated, but obviously uh, something uh, to watch closely for those that have had or have uh, any touch with Russia. The next item relates to conflicts of interest. On March 22nd, a bipartisan group of senators introduced the Preventing Organizational Conflicts of Interest in Federal Acquisition Act, designed to identify and address potential conflicts of interest in the federal acquisition system. The act emphasizes the potential for conflicts of interest due to contractor business relationships that could lead to impaired objectivity or undue influence. Here too, the act is really focused on potential amendments through the regulatory process that would then appear in the FAR. Uh, under this act, the FAR Council has to go out and essentially do a study and come back with a series of recommendations and suggested revisions focused on updating definitions, having uniform disclosure terms, um, providing contract provisions, uh, requiring agencies to look at uh, interests that have to do with um, non-government work, potentially supporting foreign entities. So a whole series of things that if this act moves forward, the FAR Council would have to look at. So with that, I'm gonna turn it over to Yuan to cover uh, a number of topics for us uh, today. Thanks, Peter. 
First up, on March 17th, GSA issued Acquisition Letter MV22-02, which creates temporary flexibility on limitations on price increases and creates a temporary moratorium on the enforcement of certain limitations that are contained in GSA's Economic Price Adjustment, or EPA, contract clauses. Now, the GSA took these steps in recognition of the impact of inflation on GSA contractors and their ability to support federal agencies. Specifically, the acquisition letter does four things. First, it lowers the approval for price increases above the EPA clause ceiling in the GSAR from the contracting director to one level above the contracting officer. Second, it relaxes time limitations on EPA increases, and it also relaxes limitations on the number of EPA increases a contractor can request. And finally, it clarifies that if a contractor has removed an item from its schedule contract, GSA will not enforce the limitation. Now, turning to two brief NIST items. On March 17th, NIST published an initial draft of its AI risk management framework, which promotes the development and use of responsible AI technologies and systems. Now, when final, the three-part framework is intended for voluntary use, and it seeks to improve the ability to incorporate trustworthiness considerations into the design, development, use, and evaluation of AI products, services, and systems. Next, on March 15th, NIST also published Special Publication 800-172A, which includes final assessment procedures for enhanced security controls used to protect particularly sensitive forms of controlled unclassified information, or CUI, from sophisticated adversaries. The publication articulates procedures and methods to assess contractor implementation of the 35 enhanced security controls found in NIST SP 800-172, which is titled Enhanced Security Requirements for Protecting CUI, a supplement to NIST Special Publication 800-171. Now, the publication can be used to conduct first second, and third-party assessments with varying degrees of rigor based on the assessor's desired level of assurance. And finally, I have an important update from OFCCP. On March 15th, the Department of Labor issued Directive 2022-01, which provides guidance on how the OFCCP will evaluate federal contractors' compliance with pay equity audit obligations. The directive clarifies that OFCCP's authority to access and review pay equity audits, which require contractors to perform in-depth analyses of its employment processes to determine whether and where impediments to equal employment opportunity exist. Now, specifically, the directive focuses on the requirement for contractors to evaluate their compensation systems to determine whether there are gender, race, or ethnicity-based disparities. The directive refers to this analysis as a pay equity audit, and it clarifies how OFCCP will review contractors' compliance with their obligations to conduct this in-depth analysis. The directive also contains information about what information contractors have to provide and how OFCCP and contractors should be thinking about the applicability of the attorney-client privilege and the attorney work product doctrine. Back to you, Peter, to close this out. Great. Thank you so much. Obviously, lots to cover and lots that we're following. And with that, we will wrap up this edition. This has been the fastest five minutes. 
brought to you by Kroll and Mooring. We'll see you again in two weeks. If you have any questions about these items, I can be reached at 202-624-2807, and Yuan can be reached at 202-624-2666. Thank you for joining. The Fastest 5 Minutes podcast is brought to you by Kroll and Mooring LLP. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, and if you enjoy our show, please leave us a review. You can find more information at kroll.com slash govconpodcast.